maybe some of you have heard this story, uh, but I, it, it's a good one. And it's a story of a young mom and she's preparing a ham dinner. And as she's preparing it, she cuts off the end of the ham, places it in her pan for baking and puts it in the oven. And her friends ask, well, why did you cut off the end of the ham? She goes, uh, I'm not really sure. I just know that that's what my mother always did. So I thought that's just what you're supposed to do. Well, uh, later she was talking to her mom and so it came up and she's like, mom, why do you cut off the end of the ham before baking it? And, and her mother says, uh, well, um, I, I don't really know, but that's the way my mom always did it. And so a few weeks later it goes by and the young mom goes to her grandmother and she asks, Grandma, why is it that you cut off the ham before you bake it? She goes, oh, well, dear, otherwise it wouldn't fit into my baking pan. The funny story is a good point for us all because it gets us to think about why we do the things we do. Do we just inherit things that have always been done? Do we just go through the motions? Do we take on these sort of habits without understanding the why behind them, without understanding the actual personal connection we feel to them? See, when it goes to growing our faith, and particularly our faith practice, that is how we want to grow Christ in us, how we want to reflect Christ in our world around us, we have habits we learned, and there's traditions that have been handed down, but a lot of times they lack this personal meaning, um, or it just feels like we're going through the motions. And, and, and of course, traditions and habits can be incredible sources of growth and meaning too. So things like corporate worship, or things like personal study, or uh, things like growing in generosity, intentional hospitality, responsive compassion, all can help us form the image of God in us so that we can live the life that we were meant to live. The ancient Israelites, the people of God, had these devout traditions in their corporate experience, and they were all intended to bring a sort of renewal. But any tradition over time can actually become very dry. It can just feel like, again, we're going through the motions. But they revered their traditions in seeking God in community. One of their traditions was that they would make a pilgrimage. Actually, they made three pilgrimages back to Jerusalem um, during the course of a year. And the idea was to an ancient Israelites, everything would revolve around the worship with God. Last week, we talked about two circles. One was just a pie-shaped graph that would have all these competing interests. So if God was just one of the pieces of the pie, it would might get crowded out if work got really busy or family life got demanding or a health scare came up. The other picture is Christ at the hub of our life and everything else is just a spoke, but it's rooted in Christ. This was how the Israelites began to think and approach and seek after God. And so they would take this journey three times a year. And along the way, they would sing these songs. These songs were called the Pilgrim Psalms or the 
the, the Psalms of Ascent. They're a subset of Psalms, Psalm 120 to 134, that I wanted to take um, a look at more in-depthly because they're a reminder of God's faithfulness. They're a reminder of God's presence. They're a reminder of why we do what we do in order that we could align our lives in his. Now, the word ascent in Hebrew is used to describe this sort of upward movement, like going up a hill or going up a set of stairs, like when they would get to the actual temple. There was 15 stairs that you would climb to the temple courts. So I think this paints a picture for us because we're all on a journey. Now, this journey that we're all on has taken some radical detours, corporately, collectively, as a nation, as a world. We're sitting in quarantine having a Zoom broadcast because the journey felt like it took a huge detour. But it doesn't mean that Christ is any less real or we're not trying to learn how to trust him more. So I want to read for you, and um, we're going to post uh, this section, uh, Psalm 124, in the chat section so we can read along. We're reading from the message translation because I think it paints a really interesting picture for us. And in this translation, you'll see, let me just read it, and then I just want to make a few observations about it. Psalm 124 says this, If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out. You can, you can hear the song leader in him. It's like a song leader standing up. Okay, let me hear you sing. He says, if God hadn't been for us, if God, uh, when we went against, uh, when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. We would have lost our lives in the wild, raging water. I think there's a couple more verses to that. Dalen can post that. There he goes. Uh, oh, blessed be God. He didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in the pack of a snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help, the same God who made heaven and earth. And so let me just break this down in a couple of really meaningful ways, because when you read these Psalms, one of the things the Psalms do for us is it gives us permission on, on what to do with what we feel inside. And what the Psalms are doing here is it's putting words to how we feel on a deep level. And it's twice at the very beginning said that God is for us. God is, in fact, on our side. Now, that sounds good. But there's a problem, I feel, or maybe you feel, when it feels like we're not getting answers to our prayers. We can know up here that God is on our side, but in our hearts, we feel like we're spiritually dry, or our prayers are hitting the ceiling, or it feels like God is distant, or when I'm not getting answers in a timely fashion. It can be hard to believe that God is for us when we feel stuck in a moment. But when we step back and consider the whole of God in our lives, what we begin to do is we see God in the sequence of our lives. And we take a larger, longer view of God's presence, God's provision. Now we can see how God is, in fact, 
not only for us, but has been with us all along. I would contend it's hard to find God in the moment and to ask for what is God's will in this matter and this matter. But what I can do is see the trajectory, the, the, the sort of long view. Remember, we base this series on, on a book that uh, Eugene Peterson wrote called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. This is the life of a disciple where we take what we believe is true to God and we apply it all along the journey, whatever the detour However low the valley, we are taking the approach of long obedience in the same direction. And one of the ways that can encourage us in the journey is to be able to see God throughout who he's been, not only in our life, but maybe in, 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 our, in our nation's life or in the, in the larger story of our own family life. Now, if you look through kind of the middle section of this verse, it's God's help is described in some really practical ways, but they use vivid image. Did you see where it said, God's described as a reference to be swallowed up alive. Does that sound like your story? Does it feel like maybe financially you're on the brink of being swallowed up alive or you're overwhelmed by floodwaters? I think there's a lot of things that overwhelm us, whether it be quarantined at home or whether it be dealing with extended family or whether it be watching the news cycle come through, it feels like we're hovering right at the, the sort of waterline, just gasping for air. He talks about protection from being devoured by our circumstances. Talks about, uh, and then uh, uh, being delivered from things that rob us of freedom. Are you kidding me? Like their story is our story. If anything matters today, if anything relates to today, it's the idea of being overwhelmed. It's the idea of being swallowed up. It's the idea of being finding protection or from being devoured or, or being delivered from things that might enslave us. See, this is the stuff that I think we can bring a sort of praise today. And this is what's interesting is this psalmist isn't talking about the good life, like as if he's a person who is somehow kind of free or avoided hardship or somehow born into some kind of privilege. This is a person who's, who's gone through the worst and he's finding himself intact. See, his testimony is that he was not abandoned. Meaning he went through stuff, but he was helped and maybe more than he even realizes. See, I'm convinced that God has been more present in our lives long before we even had an awareness of God's presence, God's faithfulness, God's deliverance. It's remarkable. Let, let me just tell you a story about someone I never met, but his life so dramatically impacted my life. As a young man, this was my grandpa Hoken living in Oslo. This would have been in the late 30s and 40s. He did not grow up in a Christian home. He did not grow up with any means. In fact, he grew up, he became uh, kind of a, a very worldly person. He was a bouncer because he was this brawny guy, kind of a Viking of a man. And I've actually had the chance to walk past in downtown Oslo. My uncle David says, this bar right here, this is where your grandfather was a bouncer at. I was like, good to know. <laughs> but he was also a card shark. He also drank. He had sort of these worldly vices, and then he had an encounter with Christ. And when he became new in Christ, he had a way of putting off 
his old life. He met my grandmother, who was an illegitimate child, uh, and they formed this life in Christ. And then together, they went through the German occupation in, in Norway. And after the war, he had, he had learned a trade as an electrician, but there was no future, really, at least immediate future. And so without speaking any English, without having much money to his name, they had had three children, and he was thinking, I've got to create a life that could be better for my kids, for my family. And so he took the long journey, this boat ride, and ended up in San Francisco because he had a brother who had left when he was five years old. He hardly knew his older brother. He was like 18 when he left home. But he ended up in San Francisco because his brother sponsored him. No English, uh, but he found a job. He, he, he started stumbling his way through the English language. And six months later, he sent for the rest of the family. I think he would have rather turned back. I think he would have rather just gone home to what was unfamiliar and without the prospects. But he was committed to building a life in Christ and for his family. My point is this, God has been at work longer than I'm able to recognize. I was unaffected by his life, except my life has been deeply impacted by his life. I think God's faithfulness transcends so much more than what we can see or do. There's been someone I've been praying for for a couple of years. This has been someone who has been dealing with a lot of hurt and a lot of um, pain. Pain from some circumstances in their life that are really, really valid. And you know what happened this week? This person called me, and we had a chance to talk. And as we were talking, she described that she was hearing the neighbor's radio on some religious broadcast, and it captured her imagination in a way that she could not stop listening. The neighbors had gone inside, but she was outside just working in her garden. And when the neighbors went inside, they left the radio program on, and she could not not listen to it. And as she's listening to it, this is how she described. Now, I've got to just tell you, the ways I've been praying is that God would bring healing to her heart, that God would bring freedom from the pain of her past that has become so familiar that it's hard to let go of. But this is what her testimony was. David, I feel like when I was hearing the words of the lady on the broadcast, it was as if someone was trying to hug me and I couldn't receive it. Have you ever hugged someone who just stood there straight-armed and you don't get the hug back? This was her description. And then she said, I'm so tired. I don't want to be hurt anymore. And I don't want to carry my anger anymore. But I don't know what to do. I said, I have an idea. And through the scripture, we were able to pray and welcome Christ as the new center of her life. Not that it solves everything, but what I'm saying is God has been part of her story all along. And in that moment, she finally came to a point of surrender, alignment, and saying, I do to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this was a quarantine FaceTime 
decision for Christ. And it's not just that God showed up in this moment. She has circumstances that have been devouring her, that have been trapping her, enslaving her. And there was this moment of deliverance. See, God is faithful long before we can even ask or imagine. And so this is what I think is happening in this Psalm 124, is that it's not about the hazards, but about the help. We can relate to how hard, unfair, the challenging life, but that's not actually what this psalm is about. The challenges of being a disciple is just the backdrop. The subject of the psalm isn't about the hazards, but about God's help. And oh, by the way, God is for us. And good worship, which is what they were doing in leading this pilgrimage, this journey to the presence of God, reminds us about who God is and how great he is. And then it ends with this crescendo, because like any good song, it peaks, right? And it doesn't just talk about struggle, but in verse 8, it points to God's help. And it says this, God's strong name is our help. The same God who made heaven and earth can be as personal as knowing the hairs on your head. The same creator of the universe is walking intimately with you. Do you know the names of God in a personal way? Because that could be your help. Do you know God as protector? Do you know God as faithful? Do you know God as comfort? Not comfortable, but comfort in the middle of your pain. There are names of God that we're invited to know on an intimate and a personal level because it can be our source of deliverance. We all relate to the hazards, but that's not what this is about. It's reminding us that God is our help. So it's important to ask, what do we do with God's help in our lives. Is God's help something that we can actually talk about? Do you have names and words to describe God's help, God's faithfulness in you? We can all talk about how hard things are. We can talk about loss and sickness and tragedy and unmet expectations. But can we instead begin to to use and name, use the names of God that might have already been revealed to us. Has God's faithfulness become for you a source of comfort and confidence, even today in the uncertainty? Is God's help and mercy something that you're aware of in specific ways? I think this is really important for every believer to be able to have words to describe who God has been to them. It's important to consider how we might then be a light or bear witness to the faithfulness of God. Do we understand the difference that God has made in our life? And here's the amazing thing. We can actually bear witness to a living God, practice a living faith while we're still being challenged and have room to grow. It can be a both and. We can give testimony of how God's deliver us and still pray for God to deliver us. We can recognize that today I'm in struggle and hardship and pain and I need God. And yet I can also testify about who God has been throughout my entire life, even when I didn't thank him or acknowledge it or have an awareness of it.
I love the story as a baseball fan of Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio was one of the greatest players of all time. In fact, he has set one record that I don't think will ever be broken. He set the consecutive games uh, streak for games where he had a, a base hit, at least a hit. 56 straight games, he had a base hit, at least. One day, a group of reporters gathered around Joe DiMaggio's locker, and they were interviewing, and one of the guys asked, Joe, tell us, why is it that you play so hard? And he kind of thought for a moment, like, uh, it's sort of like, why do you work so hard? Or why do you love this so much? Or what? And he thought for a moment, he says, I think there's two reasons. One, I just love putting on these pinstripes. Every time, I just get it, like, I just get a great feeling when I get to put on this uniform, this Yankee uniform. I get excited every time I get to wear it. And, and I'm aware, and this was his second reason, that every time I step onto the playing field, there's at least one person who hasn't gotten to see Joe DiMaggio play yet. Wow. What if our testimony, regardless of our struggles, our insecurities, our needs, our wants, what if we had such an affection for Christ, such an awareness of God's presence and his faithfulness, that we were just excited to be able to bear witness to a living faith? And we we're just excited to put, and we're aware that people in our neighborhood, people on our Zoom call, people in our cubicle world, in our office, in our carpool lane, have yet to see what it looks like to have a living Christ. You know, when I think about these things, it reminds me of some passages, passages that are better, more than suggestions, but it reminds me of 1 Peter 3.15, which says, always be able to uh, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who would ask for the reason for the hope you have in Christ Jesus. Do you have a ready-made answer for the hope you have in Christ Jesus. And when Jesus was sending out the disciples two by two, in sort of what I call the, 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 the miniature commandment, not the great commandment or, or, or the great commission, it was, he's sending them out before he left. But he says, go proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. This was something that Jesus was constantly trying to teach his disciples to do, which I think simply means, can we talk about the difference God has made in us? Psalm 150 says it this way, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. See, we are all on a journey. We're on a journey that is going to take detours, that is going to feel like an uphill grudge match. It's going to have elements of weather that doesn't feel favorable. There's going to be fatigue. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be threats. That is the Christian life. But the testimony of this psalm, and I want the testimony of our lives to be, it's not about the hazards, it's about the help. Where does our help come from? It's the one who says, I am for you. I want to do this as we kind of reflect in prayer. And I just want to invite you to pray with me. And there might be, maybe on your phone, you jot a couple of notes. Maybe you just have a pen and paper just close by. And I just want to give you a couple of thoughts to consider um, 
as we just close this time, uh, I want to give you a reflection, um, maybe to kind of take some personal spiritual inventory about the testimony of God's faithfulness in your own life. So if you would just kind of bow your heads with me, if you want to jot some notes, I would encourage you to do this because this is something I want you to reflect on. Our, our Lord Jesus, we just ask for you to just have a growing awareness of your presence in our life. I pray that you would bring kind of to our memory, uh, to our mind, how you have been real, faithful, present all along. So I would ask my friends, do you have a testimony of how God's been at work in your life? Do you have a testimony of God's faithfulness? <laughs> I won't make you sing it aloud like they do, like the song leader asked for but I think each of us should have a growing understanding of where, if not for God, your life would look dramatically different. Just think for a moment. Are there names of God that you have found to be true? Think for a moment. Are there seasons where God might have delivered you, might have spared you, might have met you? Has there been times where God has been faithful in your life? It says that our help is in the name of the Lord. Again, how has God revealed, been revealed to you? Now, how do you think God shows himself to be on our side? Maybe the better question is, is whom does God show himself through? Are there people with whom you've seen what it looks like to follow Christ? or what God's care, generosity, compassion look like? Just because life unravels doesn't mean that we're alone. 